Talking a little Dallas Cowboys football with our buddy Dave Hellman from DallasCowboys.com. And it's brought to you by Ford. Ford is the best in Texas. And Dave joins us right now. Dave, how you doing today, brother? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we always appreciate you jumping on with us. And things are really good in Cowboy land right now. Everybody is super, super stoked. And, you know, now that we're three games into this, what is the one area in which you are most joyous right now or the, or the area that gives you the most confidence moving forward for the Cowboys? Ooh. Um, I mean, geez, just take your, take your pick anywhere on the offense. Really. I think I know it was the dolphins, but it was really encouraging that as good as Michael Gallup looked through the first two weeks of the season. And as important as it is to have a variety of options in the passing game, uh, not having him didn't really seem like it limited them. Again, you know, I, I know that's a, a pretty bad team over there, but Dak was still able to spread the ball to seven different receivers. Uh, he's just he's so confident, and I guess you know, in a league where you go as far as your quarterback goes, I think that's really important. Um, obviously, the Cowboys run the ball really well, but to have Dak confident and and firing on all cylinders the way he has, um, man, that's encouraging to see. Yeah, that's actually going to use that. Tellman is a really good tease for a segment we are going to do a little bit later, uh, coming up at 1240 when we're looking at the 3-0 and teams. But some of Dak's numbers are astonishing and beyond what you would normally expect in those situations. One of the people I'm really curious, though, about is uh, Robert Quinn. So going into that game, you know, I believe it was uh, Lindsey Draper that was pointing out that he didn't think he was going to play that much because of just conditioning and getting back into the mix of things. I think he played more than he thought he was going to play, and he played at a really high level. What was your perception, or what is some of the chatter out there at the Star about what Robert did in that game and what he can maybe improve upon or do more moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you can see, like, even it's funny, you miss so much watching the game live because, you know, you're watching the ball more than the individual matchups, and you really, you know, you're you're looking at the quarterback more often than than the lines and the secondary and all that good stuff. But even having said that, like even live, Robert Quinn was just motoring uh, all all day, like working that left tackle. Like you could just see him. He was playing a wide technique, and it seemed like he was getting the corner every single time he was out there. Uh, and for him to jump out that consistently in real time, I thought was really impressive. I think. I thought I saw he got about 45 snaps, which, yeah, I mean, that's a lot for a guy that not only was he out for two weeks because of the suspension, but he he was done with training camp pretty early because of the broken hand. So uh, he said it after the game, you know, he was kind of worried about his lungs, uh, you know, having that conditioning to play a full football game, but he, he didn't show it. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that they got three sacks down the stretch of that game, which is more than they had in the first two games combined. So... Uh, it's good to see him do that, but on top of that, you know, he helped Demarcus Lawrence get a sack. Uh, you'd like to think he can help kickstart that for for the entire pass rush because you know through three weeks that's been one of the only real flaws with this team is they haven't been getting to the quarterback as often as you would prefer. So as you went back and and watched the game again, uh, did Tristan Hill do anything that stood out to you? How do you think he fared? Yeah, no, I I'm I, again. You know, I remember go back to the preseason. People were were mad because uh, Daniel Wise, the the undrafted rookie, was getting more push than than Tristan Hill was against you know fourth stringers uh, when they played that Tampa Bay game. But uh, he sure flashed to me in the limited opportunity he got. Obviously, Rod Marinelli likes to rotate those guys. But you go uh, early in the game, 
uh, when the Dolphins got down in the red zone, um, I believe it was Darian Thompson who wound up making the tackle to keep the Dolphins out of the end zone. But the reason he had the lane to make the tackle is because Tristan Hill blew up the line uh, and basically gave him this alley to to make a tackle on Kalen Balage, the Dolphins running back. So um, for him to get out there after being inactive for two weeks, yeah, I, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, talking to David Hellman at DallasCowboys.com here on the Ben and Skin Show. Um, so I know that this game is probably coming up. It's probably fascinating for you because of where you grew up and it's going to be a big Sunday night game. I'm sure you've paid a little bit of attention to the Saints. It's a little different without Drew Brees, obviously one of the best quarterbacks of his generation. But what sort of problems do you think the Saints will present for the Cowboys, both offensively and defensively, that they haven't seen yet this year? Great question. And uh, we, we saw a little bit of it. Uh, in Washington, and you know, obviously the Saints have gotten headlines for their fired. offense throughout Sean Brady's tenure. I mean, everybody the bodies of nine knows male Alvin victims, Kamara, Michael Thomas. But for me, veteran police officers, uh, this is going to be a heck of a test for the Cowboys' uh, offensive Apparently line. A remote and control and, you know, machine we talked about that with Ryan killings. Kerrigan in Washington. Well, for my money, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and Ryan Kerrigan both actually have played on that, but Cam Jordan might be the most underrated defender in the entire NFL. Uh, he's he's a badass. He, he gets sacks. He's great against the run. He's been doing it consistently for four or five years at this point. Um, and that's that's going to be a problem for them to deal with, especially, you know, I'm biased. I grew up in New Orleans, but for my money, right up there with Seattle, that's, that's the best true home field advantage in the NFL. Like in a day and age where NFL ca- crowds are kind of corporate and kind of quiet, uh, it ain't like that in the Superdome, and even as well as the Cowboys travel, uh, they're not going to be represented as well as they are in a lot of other cities. So that's going to be a challenge for them is is overcoming that environment, especially when you add to the fact that uh, the, the Saints have a defense that that should be able to get after Dak a little bit. Yeah, and I saw that uh, they haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher since like week six of 2017, and you're right. That stadium is insane. I've been up there and, and caught one game up there, and it, it my eardrums hurt the entire next day. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, you look at Kamara, I think that maybe he may be the most dangerous threat in the league. Like, he's such a versatile, unique weapon. And if there is any portion of the Cowboys' defense that is, I don't know, catching a lot of criticism right now, it would be either right up the gut, it would be the defensive tackles, or it would be LVE and Jalen. What type of a challenge is this for Vander Esch and Jalen Smith to try to keep up with him or, or will the Cowboys go with another way of trying to stop Kamara? I actually saw a video last night. Uh, my guy, uh, justice, um, on Twitter, he, he posted a cut up of all of Teddy Bridgewater's completions. I, I retweeted it. You can go find it if you want to. Um, and this isn't a knock on Teddy Bridgewater. I think it's a smart game plan by Sean Payton. But, you know, for all the criticism Dak has gotten over the years for dinking and dunking, the Saints went up to CenturyLink and Bridgewater might have thrown two completions of longer than about 12 yards. Like, part of Alvin Kamara's skill set is his ability to catch the ball and, and make people miss in the open field, and he was doing a lot of that. So linebackers for sure, Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch, Joe Thomas, Sean Lee – uh, but the defensive backs on top of that, because I'm positive the Saints are going to try to use the screen game, swing passes. Um, you know, we need to see what Xavier Woods' availability looks like, because again, you might be starting a backup safety in Darian Thompson. But open field tackling for me 
is what this is going to be all about. I and, mean, you know, Michael Thomas is he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's going to get his yards, but I like the uh, the Cowboys cornerbacks to be able to deal with that. You're not going to completely shut it down, but they can deal with it. But, um, you know, if they're not tackling in the open field, then Alvin Kamara can do some really nasty stuff to you. And, and I think through three weeks, we've seen reason to be concerned with that. Not saying it's terrible, uh, but it could definitely be cleaned up, and, and they're going to need to be on the screws uh, to limit them on Sunday. Well, let's stay there for a moment. Uh, there's an idea that Jalen Smith has been underwhelming so far coming off the big contract signing. First of all, do you agree with that? And if so, what do you think some of the reasons might be and, and how far are we away from a Jalen breakout? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I honestly, at the risk of sounding like a homer, I, like I think – People, two things. One, you're looking for things to nitpick because it, they're three and zero and they've looked dominant in all three wins. And two, Homer, yeah, thank you, KT, I appreciate it. And then two oh. is, uh, you could argue. I think I said this on our show cover four this morning. Is if anything, this defense is a victim of its own success because they were so good at times last year, uh, and they haven't played poorly by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, what the 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 most amount of points they've given up so far this season is 21. And, and that game was 31, 14 up in Washington before the Redskins scored their final touchdown, 14.7 uh, points per game, fourth in the league right now. Um, they're not getting takeaways and they're not getting sacks. And that is problematic, especially going on the road. But uh, I think, I think you're nitpicking when you're, when you're trying to call out individual performances, I think Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, need to play better down the stretch but i'm not wringing my hands about the way they've played through three weeks all right hey so when uh, jerry was on with sean and rj earlier dave i'm sure you heard this i saw you tweeting about it where he's talking about uh robert quinn's horse dancing and it's brought up a different conversation let's first dive in here and listen to what jerry said about that horse dance celebration well that's one of the best i've seen riding that pony now you know what's fun sometimes zeke will do something like that he'll put a towel on or he'll put a, some shorts on or something and head down through the middle of the dressing room kind of spanking himself as he emulates uh, the the riding the horse but uh, uh and that's before a game so you can see how uh, what a uh, asset he is uh, on and off the field to the Dallas Cowboys I'm talking Zeke Prescott but uh, I mean Zeke uh, Elliott but but uh bottom line is uh uh, the uh, Robert Quinn brings that to the table as well. All right, he's, so he's that's him talking about the horse dance, and it brought up another conversation on our show. Is the what is the origin of that? Does it go back hundreds of years to thousand years, whatever? Does it is it go back to Happy Gilmore? Does it go to uh, Psy with uh, open condom style, gangham style, whatever the name of that song sir. is? What is the origin of the horse dance? I can honestly say I've never thought about that once in my life. I, I mean, Happy Gilmore did do it, uh, so that's possible. But, yeah, like, I have to believe that that existed somewhere in popular culture before, you know, 1995. It seems like somewhere Slim Pickens was doing it in yeah, the 60s. But yeah. I, please do this for us. Well, Could you please tomorrow head into that Cowboys locker room and ask Robert Quinn if he's ever seen Happy Gilmore or even knows what it is. Oh, see, I mean, I'll do that, but, like, what I'm hoping is that some people have some questions ready for Zeke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I I thought that was hilarious. Is like, you know, they asked a very direct question about Robert Quinn, and Jerry was like, actually, wait till you hear this about Zeke because it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, 
which you know Zeke's probably like, come on, man, <laughs> that was that was uh, a private pregame moment, but uh, I guess not anymore. But uh, hopefully Robert Quinn helps him. You know, they, maybe they can all do it because, like I said, three sacks in one game as opposed to two in the first two. Uh, and they're going to need a lot more of them as they get into some of these harder opponents. Dave, our uh, mutual friend, who you know very well, uh, in fact, you helped him get through some hard times, uh, John Mashota from The Athletic. Oh, crap. Um, Ah, crap. Johnny Matches. He's got a quote uh, from Quinn, and Quinn said it's something that he tried out at Media Day. I think we have our answer on the Happy Gilmore thing. So he tried it out at Media Day and just was like, okay, I'm I'm a cowboy now. So... He's very not as up. not as entertaining as maybe we were hoping for. Yeah. One thing I don't. But the answer has he seen Happy Gilmore? Still fascinating. Sure, I agree. And let we all know Robert Quinn's not an entertainer. That's I was like Rob. I don't know Robert Quinn super well to this point, but he does strike me as a bit of a shy guy. Like he's definitely, you know, you see that dance, and you know, may, you think maybe he's like this. Uh, comedian on the team, but I don't I don't get that impression of him. So maybe maybe it just struck him in the moment. I don't know. He reminds me of like you're walking by a tool bench and there's a giant hammer. He reminds me of the hammer, <laughs> just sitting there on the bench. Yeah, I mean like, he's a huge hammer. He's a human hammer. Yeah. Okay. Personality, he is drier than an overcooked turkey. Wow. I mean, he's just, well, he's, now we, we don't need to throw shade. Hey, no, hey, it's not, hey it's sir, the, that's, sir. That's not an insult. I didn't, sir. I want to be a part of that. That is not an insult. Maybe there's something to be said. Like, maybe there's like a yin and yang thing going on because, you know, his line mate on the yes. other end, Demarcus Lawrence, is yes. about as entertaining as they come. So maybe he needs that to balance him out a little bit. No, we talked about that last week. Just the mi- the the mixture of personalities of these guys is damn near perfect. Hellman, you're damn near perfect. We I love don't know you, about man. That, yep. Thanks, we'll, guys. Uh, we'll talk yeah. to you on Thursday. There he goes, Appreciate David it. Hellman. You can read him at DallasCowboys.com. Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to hit a lot of different sports topics, including this NFL coach is totally giving it up to the analytics. We'll get into that next, right here on The Fan. All right, thank you, Shippy. You look good in there, homie. Ben hey, and Skin man. Show, 105.3 The Fan. We got a special guest joining us in studio. In about 35 minutes, it's our old buddy, Teddy Emmerich. Uh, of course, his uh, great father, Roger Emmerich, rest in peace, was a big part of our station. And uh, he's, heck, he's a Texas Radio Hall of Famer. But Teddy is going to be filling in for Brad Sham on Sunday night when the Cowboys play the Saints. And there's a lot of significance to this. And a lot of folks around here have been friends with Ted for a long time. We all love Ted. We're very happy for him. We're proud of him. But there's a lot of cool layers to this. And I think as a sports fan, and especially a person here in the DFW, you're going to really appreciate all this. We'll bring it to you coming up at noon. But there's a couple sports nuggets we need to cipher through here, guys. And the first one is John Harbaugh talking about the analytics. Now, KT, I saw you tweeting. So you watched a good chunk of the Ravens-Chiefs game on Sunday. It was just kind of on, yeah. Right. On another screen. Yeah. And... One of the things that struck people immediately is right out the shoot, they're going for two. So it was six nothing, and then they fail going for two. Then later in the game, they are up or they're down 11, and they go for two there to try to cut it to nine instead of 10. Mm-hmm. You know, normal logic is get your extra point and then get you another touchdown and a field goal, blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of questions that Harbaugh was having to answer about. Why are you doing these sorts of things? A couple of interesting uh, nuggets here. This is Harbaugh. He said, I have a good understanding of the numbers. It's very detailed and well thought out, 
I think I was pretty clear about it last night, but we're standing by our decisions. Our decisions gave us the best chance to win the game in that particular game. These are not league average choices. These are determined by this game and for this game specifically in that venue, weather is even factored into it. There's a lot of factors that go into it that are mathematically calculated, and that's why we did it. And then he continued on. But the point being that, Ben, this is almost like baseball approach to managing. He, you know, hey, we've looked at all these different things. We've ran the numbers, and I'm playing percentages here. Not going by traditional football logic. We have mathematicians and analytics guys over here that are saying, no, 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 we've run the numbers, and based on all of these circumstances that we've taken into account, the opponent, where they're playing in Kansas City, what the weather's going to be, what opportunities are, these are the decisions that you should be making. He's going by what the math dudes are saying. Yeah, it's interesting, and we've seen baseball change and evolve with uh, technology and and the way that people analyze these these patterns, and we we've always I think on this show maintained that you you want to take it all in you want to you want to get analytics you want to use gut you want to use feel you want to use experience all those things you just want to take in as much data as you can and then make an educated decision um, I think leaning too hard one way or the other might be problematic but you mm-hmm. certainly certainly don't want to shy away from getting any information this is intriguing uh, does this will this lead to massive changes in the game. I mean, certainly it's worked It's worked that way in baseball. I mean, hell, you know, the idea you start talking about how infielders play and what their strengths are defensively, well, those things change. Like if your shortstop is now going to go play at, at second base and your second baseman has to kind of go be like a rover, part in the outfield, part in the, you know, in between the outfielder and the infield, that's a different set of skills for that. Right. But that's kind of what the game requires now. You see shifts, you see all these different things, the way people manage their teams in baseball. Is this the tip of that iceberg? Is this the beginning of that? Some of that stuff I hear, and I think it's insane. Right. Like the idea that, hey, you just don't need a running back at all. Or just fake the ball to any running back, and every play action works because no matter who the running back, if it's me back there, Mm -hmm. the defense has to respect it. Some of that stuff I hear, and I think that's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit too far out there. But this makes sense. You're playing the Chiefs. You're going to have to score a ton of points. Try to put as many points up as you can. Uh, well, I'd say there's a couple things in play, though, that have uh, caught. I mean, he's been criticized for this because it didn't work out. Right. And when it works, you get lauded for it. Right. So it's like, okay, we're just going to go based on whatever the results were, right? But the the thing that I think he has maybe working against him in this is the fact that they have Justin Tucker. And I think that's what a lot of people are saying. You have the best kicker in the game. So mm-hmm. you have pretty much guaranteed points coming at you. So, well, here, look at what would have happened. Say you would have kicked a field goal one of those times. Say you would have kicked three extra points. You would have had six more points. Doesn't mean that's how the game would have gone. Though. Right. Doesn't right. mean you would have won, even though they lost by five. Doesn't mean you would have won by one if you added those six guaranteed points. You the, know, the thing that I would throw out there, KT, uh, and I think that's a good point, but I think what he's saying right out the gate is he's saying, yes, we have considered who our players are, we have considered the kicker that we have. He says, I have a good understanding of the numbers. What he's saying is he doesn't go in there and do the math. They got guys that do it. I believe and then, they, and, then, and then they come in and they present it. He's even talking about the decisions they made aren't based on league average choices. They're based on these specific set of circumstances. And so that's where we get in on the outside. It's real easy to criticize these sort of things because we really don't know what the numbers that they're using are. And most people, most good 
organizations that use analytics, a lot of their own numbers are proprietary in the first place. And they don't want you knowing why they're making these decisions because they don't want other teams having those same kind of competitive advantages. That's where the game is moving to is our nerds are better than your nerds. Isn't it? Doesn't this go back to like, for instance, the the coach who kicks an onside kick every time? Mm-hmm. The guy in Arkansas, the high school coach? It's like, hey, his he's looked at the data or whatever, and mm-hmm. he's determined that that's the best way for his team to go. Right. Onside kick every single time. Maybe that's based on the personnel he has. Maybe that's the uphill battle of what he's facing with his organization. I have no idea, but sometimes you see stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, that's fine if that works for you. I still don't want to do it. Right. I still don't want to go that far, you know? That's that balance of, you know, what we just call gut or intuition or instinct. And and here's the other thing. It's based on experience. So, like, we get into this idea of a lifer and how many different things that he's seen and like if a play happens, you just go to the recall of all the different, oh, I've seen this work and this not work and these things. So it's based on experience and it's based on a life in the sport. But there's also a high degree of ego involved with going with your gut or going yeah. with your instinct oh, against yeah. what numbers say. And, you know, but part of that, too, is that that thing that you brought up, Ben, where it's like, hey, I realize the numbers say this. I can't agree with those numbers. I'm not saying your numbers are wrong. I'm saying... I can't, with my philosophies and how I view the sport, I just can't correlate all that. To me, that's different than a coach going, oh, man, I've been in this my whole life. I don't need your numbers. Right. Those are two different I, mentalities. It's different than saying, okay, I, I I know that in this moment I should have a pinch hitter come up and so my lefty can face a righty or whatever. But you, there's other things, other human elements that go into it. Well, I happened to see his batting practice session earlier and it was right. much better. Right. This guy's got a, a little bit of a hammy situation. And so I, people, you know, it's like the numbers aren't, uh, I mean, it's, there's an aspect of it where you're like, man, the robots don't need to take over. This doesn't need to be a video game. There's mm-hmm. a human element to this and it has to do with touch and feel and, uh, and gut. Yeah. I personally felt this one was more about him knowing that the chiefs were quite a bit better than his team. Right. <laughs> and like, right. Hey, only we're going to stay in this thing is by Getting up there, taking yeah. some risks, getting some extra points. And then also when you start doing those things, the hope is that it changes some of the strategy of the other team, maybe yeah. takes right. them out of what they want to do. Don't you think it? there's a big gamble there for momentum too? Like you score a touchdown, you go for two. There's just momentum there. You're like, wow. that's. But there's also the reverse. Somebody, You give up a touchdown and then you stop somebody going for two, you're like, what a dumbass. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Wow, right. that's really deflating for you guys. You right. just ruined your touchdown. Right. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I, I like that we're in the era where we're watching it unfold. Uh, this uh, I found to be a pretty interesting story. I tell you what, before we get to this next story, let's celebrate a great anniversary. You guys mm-hmm. want to do that? Yeah. Because one year ago today, now keep in mind at this time, we did not know the incredible run this team was about to go on to claim an NBA championship and take down a dynasty. But on this day a year ago, we were blessed with this amazing audio. I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> It's still, every time I hear it, I still am just like, it's so weird that that cracked him up that much. <laughs> and that's his expression of joyous laughter. Didn't somebody make a song out of that laugh? Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah, it's the, uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah, they did the NBA theme. <laughs> it's so great, dude. Really He's a robot. He is a robot, uh, but that was a hell of a run. And then uh, this is interesting to watch, too, as we go the uh, – 
Uh, see, preseason begins in two weeks. Basketball season's five weeks away. I'm very interested in the New Orleans Pelicans. I think they're going to yeah. be a fun team to watch. And it's it's not just because Zion's coming in, but I, I liked the Laker players they acquired. I think quite as it's kept, J.J. Redick is an awesome acquisition. They needed shooting. They're, they're going to – I guarantee you the New Orleans Pelicans play faster than any team in the NBA this year. They are going to push, 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 push. And then also, is Lonzo Ball ready to take a next step? Well, two years ago, we spent way too much time talking about LeVar Ball and what he says and big baller brand and all this. <laughs> so I just ran across this the other day. I didn't realize this. Did you guys know that since the big baller brand had that dude that was embezzling money from him, Lonzo and LeVar have stopped talking. Wow, that was a long time ago. That was, I think, seven months ago, maybe a year ago. Hell, I don't remember exactly when it happened. But um, a producer of that, I guess that ball in the family or whatever is still on Facebook. I didn't, I didn't even realize oh that. My God. But the producer was talking about it, and he asked LeVar, and LeVar said, our relationship is not how it's been in the past, so we're not really talking too much right now. I really don't know how he feels but I know he wants just the best for me. He should be happy. I don't know. That's LeVar talking about Lonzo. And then when Lonzo was asked about LeVar Ball's reaction to the Pelicans trade, Lonzo said, I don't know. We're still not really talking. Jeez. So when that whole thing blew up, now I told you this about a week or two ago, Ben, and then I saw another story where the youngest ball, Mellow Ball, is a highly rated prospect for the 2020 draft. I can't believe that. Yeah, he's... he's I wrote him all. I thought he, that the rest of the kids were just not very good. I, I knew that the youngest ball could fill it up, but I thought he was getting terrible coaching. Well, I guess he's overcome all that. So a lot of people think he's got a chance to be, you know, top 10 pick in the 2020 draft. But I thought that was pretty fascinating because it hasn't been out there, at least I haven't seen it discussed. Maybe people are aware of this. Lonzo and LeVar... All of them being intertwined, all that stuff. We we had the story a couple of weeks ago where Lonzo was having to change shoes at halftime to protect his dad's brand, God. and his name was on the shoe. They're not even talking, dude. I think that's really sad, it's, and it's really pathetic. And you look at uh, you know a kid who at this point in his life, you know, as he's going through, you know, trying to adjust to the NBA, to being a pro athlete, being surrounded by fake people, having all this opportunity. You could really use a stabilizing force like your dad to lean on, somebody who loves you unconditionally to give you guidance and expertise, but he's trying to get paid off of you. And in fact, to the point where you're wearing these crap shoes and changing three or four times during a game to protect your dad's image. And again, you know, just be a dad, just be a loving father. You don't have to try to make a career out of, you know, pimping your kids. Right. It's just, uh, it's so incredibly unfortunate and if anything, I feel sorry for Lonzo in this situation. I feel sorry for all those kids, and I think it's pretty embarrassing for all dads everywhere what LeVar Ball's doing. Hopefully they can reconcile all that. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Teddy Emmerich in studio at noon. We'll get into the Troy Aikman stuff after that. But coming up next, it's always fun when Jerry Jones is on the station. we got some good audio to get to next right here on The Fan. Dallas Truck World just got in a G-Wagon Range Rover and Porsche 911. Check out all the inventory over at DallasTruckWorld.com. Thanks, Jimmy. It's a Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Uh, you just heard the commercial there, the final homestand for Globe Life Park. Final homestand of the season for the Texas Rangers. And I heard earlier on the morning show they were talking about how cheap tickets are. Like you can get tickets right behind home plate. 
Uh, this could be completely wrong, but I th- I'm Are pretty you quoting sh- Choppy? RJ said it, so I'm going to say it's absolutely true. Oh, hell. But I, I could have sworn, well, I'm not even going to misadvertise it, but. No, please misadvertise it. I thought RJ was saying you can get tickets behind home plate for like somewhere between 40 and 60 bucks. Isn't and tickets in the nothing moment? In the, that's nothing. I can get tickets in the midsection <laughs> for about $6. That's nothing. <laughs> I can get another hot dog for a dollar on hot dog night. <laughs> that's nothing. Choppy's got to be going on Sunday, right? It's the final Ranger game in that building, and it's against the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, I'm going on Derek, Saturday. Is Jeter pitching? Are you really? Yeah. 27 championships. That's nothing. I got 28 in softball. <laughs> what are you? Do? Why are you going to the thing Saturday? What are you doing? I'm uh, just going to go with my parents. My dad right. called me on Sunday and said, hey, you want to go to the game on Saturday? I said, Is yep. your mom going? Yep. Nice. Crap. She is. All right. Uh, opening there. Very got an nice. extra ticket, maybe. What's that? Huh? Uh, guys, what I'd like to do here is get back into some Jerry Jones audio. Yes. He was on with Sean and RJ earlier, and really? it was fantastic. Let's go to cut number one. Hey, Mr. Jones, are you happy that the offense is showing teams a little something different? You know, these guys uh, obviously look at these tapes and, and make their living studying your tapes of weeks and weeks before, weeks back in the case of if, if we were po- playing a team in December. They'll look at this stuff and they'll see that uh, uh, we really are intent upon taking that ball deep. We've got some receivers that can get open. Uh, That keeps them off of you. The other day they were playing way back, the defense, leaving us uh, uh, the middle area of the field open real good. But the point is uh, all of this impacts, all this sends messages as we move forward in the NFL. As you know, we play all of our division opponents again that we've played, and we've got Philadelphia twice. So, you know, they're, they were not going to line up. Uh, uh, they're going to stop some of this stuff we're doing. We've got to be ready to do something else, and we've got to let them know we can do something else. So do you guys think that – I remember so well Jerry last year on our station talking about we're going to roll some stuff out later in the year, and we're we're sitting on all this different stuff. I mean, with what we've seen in three weeks – I just think I think we haven't even scratched the surface of some of the pop that's coming. Like there's, I guarantee you, in week twelve, I don't even know who we're playing. We're going to be on the air talking about something we haven't seen all year long. Agreed. And I think this year is the best year to sucker punch opposing defenses. Mm-hmm. Now, after they have a full year of tape to look at, maybe they start to get a feel for some of the tendencies and things the Cowboys want to do. But I agree with you. I think they're holding things back uh, and and have an idea of using them down the road, but. It's all about space, balance, and predictability versus deception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Cowboys have been bad at those things. They've been bad at space. Everything has been jammed up, whether it's in the box or the short passing game, the dink and dunk stuff. And we've seen Dak has the ability to throw it downfield. It wasn't always the most accurate in that regard. But we've also seen stats that suggest, hey, he's really good when he throws it downfield. Let's let him throw it downfield more. Um, it's It needs to be about balance. It needs to be about the run setting up the pass and the pass setting up the run. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that now all of a sudden. And then the pre-play motions and and the deception that comes with not being able to predict exactly what the Cowboys are going to do based on the personnel in the huddle or the form, formation that they're in. We're finally seeing all of that, and it's all clicking. And I think it's fantastic. And if you look at – if a team is looking at tape of the first three games – it wasn't until the third game that the Cowboys dropped a, a Pollard bomb on everybody. Yeah. And I got something else to think about. There's, and we've talked about two tight ends and two running backs in the game together. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and I want to go back to something you said at the beginning there, Ben, because I think it's interesting. 
You know who's having to like figure it out now? The adjustment after the adjustment is the Rams. Rams have slammed into a wall, and that goes back to the end of last year. So they're going to have to kind of do a little readjusting, right? But but I think that reinforces your point about this is the perfect time to unleash the more and all that he has to offer, everything that they're rolling out. Yeah. If they stay healthy, man, they're a very difficult team to defend. It's like what I was saying the other day. If the Rams had one half last year where they didn't score a touchdown in the first half, mm-hmm. the whole year, they've already had two of those this year in three three games. Yeah, they're they're having some problems. Um, it the looked other, good the other night. What's that? It looked good the other night. Against the Saints? It's the Browns. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but maybe the Browns are bad. So Yeah, the Browns might be bad. But uh, real, real, real quick, you said uh, unleash the more uh, everything he has to offer. Well, this is the idea of these guys, these offensive minds. What they have to offer is infinite. What they have to offer never stops. Because they're good at making adjustments. You adjust, you adjust, you adjust, you add, you create, you add, add, add. You know, the guys, these guys that run out of gimmicks are out of the league. And I'm going Linehan. And I'm going McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And some of those guys, they're just not around anymore because they quit. Or, and I'm not saying they quit as in they're not working, but what you have to offer can never stop. You are always creating things, always creating new plays, creating new wrinkles, new shifts, new motions. Oh, my God, Ola Wale's going deep on a bomb. Got to stop that now. Like, all those things... Have to never stop. That's what, what he has to offer. One of these things that all these sports where you have live action defense, right? I'm mm-hmm. I'm distinguishing this from baseball, and you can you can throw you could throw soccer in here, but I'm specifically talking about hockey, football, and basketball. Almost universally, the number one thing you want to do is get your most talented player in space. Yep. All three of those sports, you know, it's like it's why you used to have goons in hockey is to free up your free skater. Like, you're almost always trying to get your most talented guy with the ball in space. That's what all of these live-action defensive games have in common. Basketball, too. You set screens to get guys Absolutely. Open. And then you space the floor with shooters so that this guy can operate. And one of the problems, think about that. It's just a basic fundamental tenet of all these sports. And the Cowboys were bringing everything all bunched up. Let's get everybody together. Let's... Let's jam all this up and see if we can just blow everybody up physically as opposed to let's spread everybody out and put our unique weapons in space where they can actually do something. Yeah, and it just just makes you wonder why they waited so long. Lenahan was an anchor on this thing, holding it back, and they just allowed it to happen. But hey, hey, good times, though. Cowboys are 3-0. Things are looking good. And and with regard to Kellen Moore, I think if my number one irrational fear right now is that they're going to lose Kellen Moore. And that's why I'm like, "Don't, don't rush out to get a deal done with Garrett. What happens if... Some team out there is like, we want Kellen Moore. We'll make him a head coach. And it's like the Cowboys are like, well, we just extended Garrett. We can't. We don't have that move to make. It's an irrational fear, but it's one in my brain nonetheless. So Sean asked a great question today. He asked Jerry Jones, hey, what will it take to make sure that, that you guys are able to keep Kellen Moore? It's great to have about, I'd put at least three um, uh, coaches, uh, three players that are having, I mean, three coaches that are having that kind of respect. It reminds me of the days when we were having Dave Weinstead and Nora Turner, and you look around, and I was, uh, they had rules that you couldn't talk to a coach during the season. Hmm. And I was having owners of teams calling me and arranging for secret notes or secret messages so that you could let them know and communicate with those coaches. 
and I think it's great. I think it really is a real boon to any organization to have coaches uh, that uh, other clubs want. We're here. Like, haven't we wanted this for a while? Yeah. I mean, we're we're finally here. It finally feels like we're in the in the modern era, even though the modern era has been going on already for quite a while. I think whether Kellen Moore is the type of guy to uh, that would want to be a head coach already, he's already the youngest coordinator in the league. Would he want to go be the youngest coach in the league? I, I don't know how he's wired. I don't know what's important to him. I don't know if there's a sense of loyalty to, to being here. And I also don't know if it's – I know it's possible. Couldn't the Cowboys just money whip him? And just sure. say, hey, man, we're going to make you the highest paid offense coordinator in the league. And- I think, like, to me, it comes down to this. What is his opportunity? What are the options? What are the options? Because a lot of times, and we keep using the Garrett example of this, but that was a different era and all those things. Garrett turned down the head coaching job in Baltimore to state. Now, that they went and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. But that's why Harbaugh's there. Didn't Harbaugh go there the same yeah. year? It was okay. So, Garrett turned down a head coaching opportunity to stay in Dallas and be the offense coordinator, and he was making as much money as the head coach was. And they guaranteed him, I'm sure, hey, you're in the on-deck circle, you'll be our next coach. Right. So the whole point being, if someone comes knocking with Kellen and they don't have a quarterback and the Cowboys can pay him a ton of money, it makes more sense for him to stay here and wait for the good opportunity if we're not talking about a sizable difference in pay. Is there a team out there with an awesome quarterback that's not necessarily old, so he's either young or in his prime with a head coach in trouble? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of those teams have head head coaches in trouble because the quarterback hasn't taken that step yet. You know, Deshaun Watson in Houston, Bill O'Brien's probably going to get fired eventually, uh, probably sooner than later, and he's got Deshaun Watson right there. So that could be a, a place that would be interesting for him. Um, Gase could get fired in New York. I mean, they wanted Kingsbury, mm-hmm. you know, and just that's a great point. weren't able to get him. So. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with Sam Darnold and his development this year. He might miss the whole year with Mono, guys. He, who knows when he's coming back? You never know. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Trubisky's coach is fine. He's new. Um, God, they just the went guys. deep in the playoffs. The Bills are 3-0, and so I'm sure McDermott's safe for another year. And He actually took them to the playoffs two years ago, if you consider Josh Allen that type of guy. Uh, you know, Cleveland. With, I mean, Freddie Kitchens could get run out of town with Baker pretty quickly. All right, if you're if Kellen you're, and Baker seems like a weird mitt. If you're Kellen Moore, Baker's older than Kellen, right? <laughs> would you rather <laughs> Would you rather be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns or the OC in Dallas? With knowing would, that there's a wink, wink, and hey, in the future we'll take care of you. I would sprint to that Cleveland job unless unless he thinks Baker's a fraud. You want you want a lot of Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield in your life, man. If I'm well, it's if pretty I'm easy a, right now dealing with Dak. No, I know I I get all that, <laughs> but if I'm a guy that thinks that I can unleash the beast, I'm going. Oh, you're giving me that. Let's go. And it's not just it's not just Odell. They got other weapons. Yeah. Okay, so what would that be about? Uh, it, it would be about money. It would be about fame, money, and ego, opportunity. opportunity. Okay, so. That's so, a great opportunity. Well, and and you know there are some people that don't think Baker's all that people are making him out to be. I think. I mean, I I think in college I didn't think that. I was wrong. I think Baker can play. Yeah. Now if he gets in his own way, that's another thing. Plenty of guys have gotten in their own way, and he certainly is, uh, you know, shown the ability to be a horse's ass. But I think he's probably going to be one of those guys that just. He gets it done. So what does what does Garrett make? Doesn't Garrett make like six or At something? At least I, right. I. I Shippy, can you look that up? I I, I want to see what Jason Garrett, what his salary is. But it would go up if you know if he signs a new deal. But if you say, yeah, but I I don't want to sign Garrett to a new deal 
if he it is co- making six million dollars a year. If it costs you Kellen Moore, can you would you would you mind looking up what Freddie Kitchens makes just so we have a reference point on what's happening with the Browns? And I know how insane this is. I know it's insane to already worry about losing Kellen Moore, but it's it's I mean, look at Kingsbury. It's this if if somebody shows that they've got an aptitude for scoring points in the NFL and making quarterbacks look good. It's the most important investment an organization can make. It's a quarterback whisper. It's a point whisper. It's an offense whisper. That guy's going to get an opportunity no matter how old he is. But let me throw this in here too, Ben. You're like, we're in love with Kellen Moore because of what we had before. There's plenty of guys that you can bring in. The most important thing that's happening right now, even if Kellen Moore leaves after one year, the most important thing that's happening is Dak is running that offense and Dak is seeing what that offense is and can do. That's true. Because when you get to that point, by next year, if Kellen Moore's gone, Dak will be a five years going into, he's going into his fifth year. He'll have had tons of playoff experience. Okay. He's at that beautiful point in his career. We're getting all the Kellen Moore benefit right now, regardless. It's true, but I don't want it just for one year. Because you look around, I mean, look what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe the best quarterback in the game, and he's struggling in a new offense. Mm -hmm, That's true. I mean, you make a great point. I mean, there's a reason why the offensive coordinator is going to make, what, Two million, and the quarterback's going to make thirty-five mm-hmm. in those situations. The quarterback's more important, right? But the quarterback can be made so much better by not being in a trash scheme. I agree. And 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 granted, we're we're only we're only three games into the Kellen Moore era, but it looks so good so far. And there's so many teams that are struggling in that regard. Did you see what Kitchens make? Did you find that? Yeah, he. Well, this might be a little outdated. It's three and a half, according to. It's not outdated. This is his first year. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, then three and a half million dollars right here. Okay. What? He's making three and a half million in Cleveland. Oh my God! So I would say this: I I, I bet the Joneses would pay Kellen Moore three to stay. For what they've gone through, I think they should pay him six to stay. Well, now we are getting in our pie. <laughs> See, there's an NFL pie and there's a Jones pie, and we are getting our pie. We like our pie. Sometimes, Sometimes you got to chain me down damn. to keep me from getting up in the middle yeah. of the night and going and getting that pie. I'll walk down that hall and I'll devour that pie. <laughs> All right, it's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for rolling with us. Coming up next, one of our favorite dudes, uh, Ben and I have worked with him. We worked with his Papa Bear, rest in peace. He's got a huge deal going on Sunday night. Is He will be in the booth uh, as Brad Sham will be missing this game, and there's a lot to the story. It's awesome. We'll talk to our guy, Teddy Emmerich, next right here on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan.